Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams. It's Tuesday night in the Queen City. I'm here. I've got boots on the ground here in the CLT. Danny Brams, though, he's still on the road spreading the gospel of Charlotte Football Club. Danny Brams, uh, what, what's going on? Are you going to be back in town for Thirsty Thursday? <laughs> Wow, you just gave me a lot there. Boots on the ground. I'm wondering if you're ready. If you're going to war here, maybe you are. Uh, spreading the gospel for sure. I've been I've been all over the country, uh, from North Carolina to Tennessee to Texas to Colorado to Utah, back to Colorado, back to Texas, cut through New Mexico, the whole thing. I've uh, been spreading the gospel. I brought Charlotte FC Love to Delicate Arch, one of my favorite natural wonders uh, in the entire country. Had a great hike up there that was uh, expended a lot of effort and made it worth it. I uh, went to Red Rock, saw widespread panic. I was rocking my uh, Charlotte FC Pride kit, just hoping, you know, given given the uh, given all the Molly heads up there, something to trip out on, all the bright colors on my shirt and whatnot. So that was fun. And uh, yeah, just like I said, spreading that gospel. Got to talk to some people. Uh, said, hey, you know what? Uh, what's up with the shirt? You know, they were asking me about the club. That was great. I relayed the story about how it was in Austin and the police officer, you know, that wearing a Charlotte jersey got me out of a speeding ticket. So no more run-ins with police since then. So life's been good. And to answer your final question, Thirsty Thursday, of course I'm going to be there. You know I'm going to make it, baby. I'm uh, I'm leaving bright and early from Fort Worth, Texas tomorrow morning. Should make Nashville. Going to crash there, then get up early Thursday morning, head, head from Nashville back to the Queen City. And I'll be ready to go. Should be getting there early afternoon for a, uh, a nighttime kickoff for a midweek against Austin FC. Let's go on July Fourth weekend. It, it it for me. You can follow us on Twitter at for the crown baby. I asked the question there. Uh, is anybody else concerned about the attendance for Thursday night's match against Austin FC? I asked the question, Danny Barams, for for a couple reasons. Number one is that it's a holiday weekend in Charlotte. You know what that means? People leave. And they go to the beach. They do other things. And if mm-hmm. people are going to take an early weekend, I don't know. But what I want is 30,000 fans on Thursday night. I think on mm-hmm. a normal non-holiday weekend, I think the place would be absolutely rocking on a Thursday night. I've been to Thursday night football for, for the Carolina Panthers. The uptown mm-hmm. scene midweek for a big event at the stadium is is one of the best in the country, in my opinion. I'm just nervous about the holiday weekend. That's it. I hope everybody shows up. It seems like maybe we could we could have a decent crowd. I'm not sure. I'm gonna, I'm going to say rest easy. I think we'll get the crowd. Okay. All right. We will get the crowd. Uh, it it's one of you know how they say you know you have to beat the champ. You have you know you you can't become the champ until you beat the champ. We're not going to go under thirty until I'm not going to believe that we're going under thirty until I see it for myself. So we'll see. Well, you're going to be I one of those fans. You'll be there on Thursday yeah, night. Wait. I'll be there as well, and. Before we get far down that road, we need to address the the loss in the room at Montreal against uh, uh, an average side with a bulldozer playing central midfield in Victor Wanyama. That was a a massive performance from a big dude at this point in his career, Danny Rams. I thought he bossed the game against Charlotte FC this past weekend. He was for the second time this season. Exactly. The physicality in the midfield was completely unmatched. I, I want to get your opinion on that. Uh, Carol Swiderski, I'm, I'm pumped. He was back in the lineup, and I didn't hate the lineup for what it's worth. Uh, 
Marks makes his full debut for, for Charlotte FC. We're, we're, of course, missing key players. And even with that said, I thought the performance that the squad put in was solid. I thought the, the lineup that Christian Latanzio picked was, was fun. But ultimately, he didn't get the the result. And by, by fun, what I mean, Danny Brams, is I'm a huge fan of the, the flying Hawaiian, Koa Santos. Uh, sure. I, I love to see him get a start. I love to see him get a. I believe that was his full debut as well in MLS. Believe so. I think he only has played cup, if I remember right. Yep. So I'm pumped about that. I'm I'm pumped about Marks in the back as well. Yeah. And Quinn McNeil. That's a, certainly an MLS debut for Quinn McNeil off the bench. Yes, absolutely. And the way that he played, and the way that if you if you go to SofaScore and you see the game flow chart, there is a direct correlation between when. McNeil was subbed into the match and when Charlotte FC started to get on the front foot and potentially mm-hmm. go after a draw, uh, he, he came in for who I thought someone had a very poor match. And that was Alcivar, uh, someone that I propped up on this show that uh, on, right. on Saturday night in this match, I, I thought he was in uh, in big point, part of this is, is Victor Wanyama in the middle, just totally eight, Alcivar's lunch out there, Danny Brams. It's like he smothered him completely. And you could tell he was off his game. His his free kicks were poor. His corner kicks were poor. And I'm going to be the first one to admit that. But I'm also going to be the first one to say that uh, that to me doesn't mean he's out of the lineup. I just think that he has a lot of work to, to do against a bigger opponent in that midfield. And that maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he's not someone that can run the central midfield um, against a, a player with size and talent. Yeah, he he, he was he was weak. You know, uh, what can I say? Yordi not his best game. McNeil I'm, for Quinn. I got to say it. I know you want to hear it. He's one of our own. <laughs> he's, he's one, one of, of our own. own. Quinn, Quinn McNeil. McNeil, baby, he's one of our own. I, I love seeing the homegrown get it for sure. I, I love all our young players. I, I love the fact that we have so much youth on this squad and the commitment to youth in the building. But it's the it's the homegrowns that are really, you know. It, and I, I kind of count Bender and Lindsay probably in that as, as sort of the first wave. And Quinn McNeil is the next wave. And, you know, some other youngsters that are out there playing for the junior mints will be coming up through the years. And I'm so excited to see that that influence filter in the club and, and make its presence felt. The game against Montreal was – a step towards that bright future where we'll be someday with these youngsters. But unfortunately the game itself, I'm disappointed, John. I know you said, you know, the team played solid and, you know, gave it a go. I don't, you know, you didn't use the term moral victory, which I'm glad you didn't because there are no moral victories anymore for, for Charlotte FC at this point. We're well into the season. We should not be looking for moral victories. This wouldn't have even been one though, because it's just a weak team. Now I caught, I, I battled, you know, I, I was driving on the road and I was battling people on Twitter at every rest stop and gas station and coffee shop that I stopped at along the way. I'd get on the phone and, and start typing at guys and be like, Hey, cause people were coming to me. You know, people were, were not liking something that we put out there, which was that we felt after, if you go win versus Red Bulls and then you go a draw, and then you go a loss, you go a win to a draw and a loss. That's trending in the wrong direction, you know, especially against Columbus and Montreal, who I don't think are quality opponents. So, you know, we put out there from the show account that we felt things are kind of trending in the wrong direction. And people took issue with that, but I defended it. I defended it from my own uh, Twitter just because 
I, sometimes I like to mix it up. I was bored <laughs> in transit and whatnot, but I, I honestly think that it's a big disappointment to come away with four points out of that three-game stretch. I know everyone's hyped. You know, Latanzio has his big, big fans and and uh, propagandists, you might even say, in his fan base on some level. But uh, to me, he's just been okay. He's been okay at best. He hasn't been any different from MAR. The team doesn't necessarily look any better. They might. You could argue that they look less inspired. So. I don't know. I, well, let me let me say this. He's got well, a. Let me just say. Let me just say this. Going for a draw against Columbus is part of. It wasn't just the Montreal game, but it wasn't just the Montreal game that we said was leading to a downward trend. It's the whole picture of being weak and not even trying to get the win against Columbus, and then coming out and giving up goals in the first five minutes of both halves against Montreal. That goes to coaching, and that shows that you're not ready to start a half. And to only score one goal against Montreal when they had given up 11 in their previous five games against MLS teams. So it's there's a lot of bad things about that uh, losing to Montreal. And they didn't have Georgi Mihailovic, obviously, we talked about. So sorry for cutting you off, but I just had to get all that out there because it was a poor performance against Montreal. It was a lame performance against Columbus. And let's face it, we got a little lucky to beat Red Bulls. And everyone's like, oh, it's 2-0. Red. We beat Red Bulls 2-0. We had a tap in in stoppage time that didn't matter. And Kalina almost drop kicked it right into Klamala's gut and gave away a free goal, which he ended up doing a week later against Columbus. So I'm wary. I'm I'm not. I love this club. I'm happy that we're fighting for playoff position. We're not in any type of way where we can feel good about where we're we're at at all, especially with the games in hand. And now take it away. I'm so sorry. Nothing to apologize for. I think it's a. <clears throat> I think it's a good take, and I think it's one that you know people whether they agree. Uh, are neutral or disagree, I, I think they have to respect it because it's it's well-researched, it's well-thought-out, and it's uh, made by someone who has been as close to this club and uh, as anybody has. Danny Brams, you've, you've watched every minute of not only this season but this preseason, this entire group together and how they perform on the field. And there's, there's the ultimate, and what I was going to interject with was the ultimate get-out-of-jail-free card. <laughs> for uh, CL, Christian Latanzia. And that is, he dealt with a, a squad that was severely uh, undermanned. Um, You're right. It was a squad that was missing key players. Now, at the back, I would argue it was fine. Uh, the, the four in the back, Jalen right. Lindsay, Guzman Carujo, Anton Walks, and Joseph Mora. That's a starting eleven. That's a first eleven back four. Right. And George Marks at, at keeper obviously is second choice. So we have a cup keeper in net making his full debut, who made one save in the match, and the other two shots on net went in. So mm-hmm. it wasn't a, a great performance by George Marks, and I think that's a big reason why this was this squad lost. I think you know right. having Kalina in net would have been a a massive. Um, difference in in that, but but leading further into the lineup, Danny Brams, um, just a, a couple players in the midfield that were out. Uh, Derek Jones makes a start. <clears throat> I mentioned Santos earlier. When your substitutions mm-hmm. happen, you've got McNeil, you've got Chris Hagart, who deserves a right. shout out on the show. He gets some playing time on the road, so that's the ultimate card that Latanzio can play and I'm- did play at today's press conference. Of course, and and people were playing it all day yesterday in this discussion I was having on Twitter, like I said, which was a friendly discussion. 
we that's one thing I really like about this fan base is that we can disagree respectfully and there's there's been no issue there whatever you know how it can devolve on social media quick but I thought it was overall a good discussion I was having with people that disagreed with me which is fine but here's my thing that I'll say yes we were down the 10 guys and there's a lot of issues that have to do with that whole side of the story in terms of communication but yes we were down the 10 guys I would wager to say with Carol Swiderski back in the lineup we could consider ourselves as close to full strength as Montreal could consider themselves without Georgie Mihailovic. That's how good an MVP candidate is. And I'm sorry that, you know, we, we didn't have, you know, Ben Bender, that, uh, you know, but Ben Bender's not Georgie Mihailovic, you know, like, so Montreal had plenty of handicap themselves is what I'm trying to say. And we can look at the 10 guys who didn't travel for COVID and whatnot and say the, how hard done by we were, but, Georgie Mihailovic got injured a few weeks ago and was supposed to be back by now and got had a setback in practice. You think Montreal fans aren't wouldn't be high, highlighting that if they had lost? You know, so like it's not a, it's too you can't make excuses. What I'm trying to say, everybody has their thing. There was one point where somebody really was like, "Well, yeah, none." I I listed all these things that Montreal was dealing with on their side. Someone well, none of that matters. I'm like, well, how can you say that the opponents' circumstances don't matter, but ours do? It doesn't doesn't add up. So. One excuse I, I won't get on board with is the game should have been postponed crowd. I thought the the squad was fine. They had a starting 11, and they were able to play the match. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when uh, Vancouver came to Charlotte, and they were undermanned, and they started a keeper that they literally picked up off the streets? Yeah, 17 years old. That happened. And by the way, how did how did MAR treat him after that match? Like, like a king, like a champion. He, he went and told them you did great against us and, you know, we were lucky to beat you and you have a great, bright future ahead of you. And uh, One of those semi-viral moments in, in the uh, brief but memorable tenure of Miguel Angel Ramirez, for sure. A lot of memories from that match. Just it feels like a long time ago. It was, was Charlotte FC a bygone era of, of the club. Danny Brams. But, uh, as far as people that wanted to have that game postponed, um, welcome to June of 2022. I think the club was within its rights to ask for it to be postponed, but like you said, once the league said no, it doesn't meet our stands for a postponed game. There's this discussions over. Yeah, no more, no more bringing it up. Let's move on. It's a short week and it's a short show. We're, right. we're halfway there on the Charlotte Soccer Show. I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. Thanks so much. Uh, before we get into Thursdays, it's a short week. Whew. It's a short week. Before we get into Thursday's matchup against Austin FC, just wanted to remind you to rate the show on Apple, uh, share it with a friend, leave us a review, tell us what you like about the show, follow us on Twitter at For the Crown Baby. You can go listen to our full catalog of episodes. We have a show trailer as well that you can find easily on Spotify. And let us know what you think about the show. You can follow me at John Hayes on air on Twitter. You can follow Danny Brams as well and we're going to be hanging out at the supporters bar behind um the supporters section at the keep bank of america stadium on thursday night danny brams hopefully we'll maybe get to see some of our tifos at the bar get me back i know jpp will be there he already told us he's meeting us there so that'll be great uh i'd love to meet some more folks for sure so where i want to start the preview danny brams is with the squad. Christian Latanzio talked today about his press mm-hmm. conference. He was asked who would be available. So we need to do this in somewhat of a different fashion. You know, Typically on the show, we do our projected 11. 
We have a good idea who is available to play in the squad. And based on what we know right now is that there are a couple more players available on top of what we saw on the road Saturday at Montreal. So knowing that, how do we project this lineup, Danny Brams? What should we expect? Should we know more? And I think that's the more important question. (laughs) That's a loaded question. We should know more. Yeah, so... Uh, we shared some pre-show thoughts and I was not shy about saying that I was disappointed in Latanzio's press conference today. Seemed like a point. There there was no reason to have a press conference. If you have information that you know everybody wants to get out of you and you call a press conference and invite reporters and then spend 20 minutes talking about everything except what people really want to hear, that's a waste of time. No, he... No one really cares about Latanzio's thoughts on Alan Franco leaving and going to the Argentinian League. No one cares. They asked him three questions about it today. You know, like, and he said, he said right off the jump, I'm not going to name any names. And no one, no one pressed him. And so here's the deal. I understand that this is the way it is. I work in sports. I'm not an idiot. I know what you can expect from uh, a press conference and things like that. And I followed MLS long enough to know. I get it that this is pretty standard. It's not like Charlotte's doing anything different. And so some people are going to say it's okay. But it's not okay because I don't. I want to judge my club to the standard I think they should be judged by, not by the ju- standard of what everybody else is doing. And I don't care if other coaches would be out there being coy about the availability report. You know, it's not like Austin's going to change their lineup or change their tactics based on the fact whether or not TT Ortiz is out of COVID protocol. You know, it's it's stupid. You're not like there's no gamesmanship there, and really all you're doing is cheating your fans who are sitting here wondering about their players for days on end, like. Hey, are my guys available? What's the deal with COVID? And I understand there's health privacy issues. You know, you can't uh, give away someone's COVID status necessarily uh, directly like that because that's bad. But you can say who's available. You can say, I'm not going to talk about who's not available, but this player, this player, this player that wasn't there last Saturday is back in practice. And and people get it. And you're, not, you're still giving the information to the, the people who pay your salary, who really want the information and need it. And you're protecting your player's privacy uh, uh, by the same coin for the most part. So I'm disappointed that we couldn't be better, that we couldn't be a club that would set the standard for transparency in information disclosure. But I guess that should not surprise me whatsoever because I'm not naive enough to think that it actually would have happened, but I would have liked to see it happen. Maybe as this, this club and its future rolls on, they'll get better at communicating this sort of thing. And you know what will help that Danny Brams is, more attention and more scrutiny and yeah having the press coverage. having Latanzio's presser Latanzio having his presser at the exact same time as the Hornets introduced Steve Clifford that's that's just a rookie dumb amateur move on the club's part too if I can be frank why are you unless you're trying to hide something unless you want it to go away and you want it to get no attention on purpose who knows but you know I, I don't really care about the, the Hornets I'm not here to talk about the Hornets but obviously it was a good the big story in the city that they hired the new coach. And so why are we having our coaches presser to give information about the game week at the exact same time as these guys being introduced? I, I don't get it. It's exactly what I thought this morning. I, I said, we we can't even win the local media uh, attention <laughs> right. because of Steve Clifford, who's a retread hire for right. the Hornets. When, when we are at a crucial time, we just fired our manager, the guy who started our – franchise uh game one with seventy four thousand fans and we replaced him with with somebody that his 
his job is 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 more than just picking an 11 developing players it's mm-hmm. it's building a connection with with the fan base and bringing the energy and right now i'm uh I'm 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 asleep. I, I need Thursday to wake me up. Mm-hmm. I, I need I yeah. need to make sure that this club on Thursday night brings the energy and we we get Ben Bender back on the field at home. We 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 get two goals. This is a cruci- crucial game for Charlotte FC. And you think it's mm-hmm. against a, a tough opponent, Danny Bramps? You said that Austin is one of the best clubs in, in MLS right now. They are. They're the. They'll be the hardest. They'll be the most talented team that we've faced so far. Although Montreal, when they came to our house, was, had most of, could compete for that with the talent they had on the field that night that was not there when they beat us on Saturday. But yeah, as Sebastian Driussi, Diego Fagundes, Alex Ring, uh, Brad Stewart's a great goalkeeper. Alex Ring is a guy who's good, who Latanzio's familiar with because he coached him at New York City. And, and Latanzio knows that Ring's going to be destroying folks in the midfield just like Wanyama was. And Driussi is a creative playmaker who just can make something at make goals out of nothing the guy played you know he was a star for river plate with you know the best team in argentina for years before he came to mls this guy's a world-class player they got a goal scoring striker a rudy who's you know veteran they austin's a really good team they're gonna they they have the potential to wreck us i i'm not you know i'm just gonna lean into this whole negative vibe i've got going about the the squad in this uh tonight uh trust me i'm still a fan but i just I'm worried that it could get ugly, to be honest. And I, 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 I if I'm wrong, bring, bring, I'm, I deserve all the hate flow about how dumb I am flowing to me, and you can all bring it. But I'm just out here. I feel like a prophet of the wilderness right now, like sort of trying to like give the warning that like, you know, the apocalypse is right around the corner, y'all. Like, like Charlotte is in a is poised in a precarious position. It's because. There's, there's this huge segment of the fan base that thinks we're in a really good spot because we're, like, right on the cusp of playoffs, and they're not counting, like, the quality. They're not counting the context. They're not counting the games in hand. They're not really seeing the full picture, and I feel like I'm the one that sees it. So, again, if I'm proven wrong, I'll actually be happy because I love this club, and I would rather nothing would make me happier than for us to show success. But I'm wor- a little bit worried that the other shoe's about to drop on the whole damn project right now for this season. I'm not ready to go as far as 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 you're going right now, but I'm but I'm willing to have the conversation about how there needs to be some some energy. There needs to be some some right. results. There needs to be something more than just playing soccer in the MLS. The only way that you're going to have a successful first season is if you have momentum, if you win at home, mm-hmm. and you continue to do that. And I, I think right. something that's really interesting about the match on Thursday is what the the boys in in Vegas are are looking at. What are they saying? What are the what are our friends in the desert saying about the match? Charlotte FC is a favorite in this match, Danny Brams. <laughs> Charlotte FC is favored to win the match and this doesn't happen often for Charlotte FC. At home, it does. On the road, it never does. But at home, they've been underdogs in, the, in so far this season. You know, the first match against the Galaxy, they were underdogs in the match against New England Revolution at home. They were underdogs uh, in the match against New York Red Bulls. I believe it was it was close, but the Charlotte could have been underdogs in that match as well. So this 
this is a a reaction from the the books Danny Brams that says Charlotte FC is a good home team and Austin FC is going to come in on a short week and and potentially lose. There there is they're at plus 225. They're more than a 2 to 1 underdog Danny Brams that doesn't line up with what you're telling me about this squad. This is not financial advice, but I see some opportunity there. Not not knowing the lineup, it's hard to say, right? How how right, how right, in the world? Right, I, I don't understand right. how the line is that with it. you know when they say and people look at these numbers and say, Oh, Vegas knows something. Well, in this case, considering Charlotte FC is is coming off a draw and a loss, then if there's any here's the deal. If we win, it will be because our home form shines through. If we win, it'll be because 30,000 plus showed up at the keep like you put the call out for them to do. And the energy of the crowd pushes this team past some, uh, and makes them capable to achieve something they weren't able to achieve without us. Because that's the only way I see us winning. I, I could end up as the as the uh, the crazy old, uh, old hermit living out in the cave or whatever. But right now, I feel like I might be a prophet. We'll see. Well, you have been living out in the desert. Uh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's so that's where we'll yeah. send you if Charlotte FC wins on Thursday <laughs> night and and proves you wrong because I've got the crown to win this match, Danny Rams. Because I've got a couple couple rules here, and I think um, when I get shocked by a number like this, to me that makes me take a step back and say, "Wow, I I misread this situation," and that at home at the keep where Charlotte FC plays well, if Kalina is healthy, like a clean mm-hmm. a clean sheet is possible. Mm-hmm. Because the defense has always been the strength. And at home, we seem to find a way to create chances and capitalize on goals because Svidersky is back in the lineup. And I'll, I will tell you in minute one of the match, in the first minute, whether <laughs> I want to take this uh, back or not. And I could change my pick within that first minute because it's so important to me and something that I never would have predicted and if I did predict on this show people would have said you're crazy man and that is Carol Svodersky needs to play up top in the striker position like that's where he wants to play to score goals and we don't have any other option there except for Danny Rios who has proven that he's not going to put anything in the back of the net from the striker position. Mm -hmm. So there's two options. Play with a false nine or put Carol Svodersky at striker. The fact that Christian Latanzio played him at the left wing position for the first 70 minutes of the match was insane. And by the way, just as I talked about McNeil and the impact that he had on the match, the thing that they did well was create opportunities. And it's because Svodersky was up top. He was... He, mm-hmm. he was somebody that had to be monitored. And immediately when that change happened, exact, and with the injection of McNeil in the game, who w- wanted to be in a creative role, that's the type of, of formula that this team needs at home on Thursday to, to win the game against Austin. But, Danny Brams, I need to know who the creator will be. I need to know who gets the start in that position that McNeil played for the last 
20 minutes of the match. And that's that's been the problem for this squad this entire season. So when I hear about a interest in a right-back position, when I hear about changes, Alan Franco leads the squad. Like All I care about right now with this squad is who's going to pl- play a creative midfield role. And there's nobody who is stepping up, the plate to get the, stepping up to the plate to get the job done. And Bender has to do it at home. Yeah, I mean, we he should, we know that uh, the mind bender at home is a completely different experience than the mind bender on the road for sure. Hopefully, he's back with the protocols and whatnot. Again, we we know nothing uh, about our club, unfortunately, because the they won't give us the information. They say necessity is the mother of invention, and maybe that was what was running through Latanzio's mind when he invented the Carol Swiderski winger project, but. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh let's let's send that one back to that prototype back to the drawing board and, and maybe never even see it ever again because that was ugly and awful. I think you've got a striker who's in really poor form, struggling to score goals, struggling to even get on the pitch for his national team during that break. And to to then say, Well, I know you're trying to get back in the rhythm of your striker thing, Carol, but I'm actually gonna need you out on the wing tonight. I don't know. I thought that was a weak. That I thought that was the wrong move. I would have rather just seen a you know a complete formation change and see two two strikers up top playing off of each other with Carroll and, and Rios and that. But Carroll on the winger was just dumb. And a quick aside on that, uh, I think it, both on the radio broadcast and on the TV broadcast, Will Pelagic early and. Um, Eric Krakauer early talked about a potential back three and how they their Charlotte FC was going to start with a back three. And I think that the reason why everyone thought that and the reason why you and I we're, were texting each other saying, hey, what is this lineup? We're trying to figure out what it is. People are saying back three is because no one thought that Carol Svidersky wasn't playing strike. Right. Yeah, not at all. I thought we were going back to like the 4-4-2 or the 3-5-2 maybe. And we were going to have Rios and, and Carroll playing off each other, which had been proven to kind of be successful, right? It was when we first put, after losing the first couple matches, when we put Rios in there with Carroll to bounce and, and get, you know, keep, keep people yeah. out of the club. That actually was when we first started scoring some goals against New England and Cincinnati back in the earlier part of the season. So, I don't know. Car- Carroll's so- on notice to me. I, I'll just come out and say it. And, I, you know, I, I want to get back to a little more positive because I am positive about this club. I love this club. You said seeing Carroll out there fired you up, so I want to hear you go off on that a little bit more and, and talk about the positive potential of Carroll because right now I'm looking around at what other DPs in the league do. I'm looking at a guy who is part of the movement to force out a coach in a young season who was getting some wins. And I'm I'm just wondering, again, I, I want to love Carroll, but I need the goals. If you don't give me the goals, how can I love you? That's just that's the that's the bargain when it comes to supporters and strikers. But what do you think in terms of the positive potential that's out there? Well, sometimes you you just have to identify what your roster and your squad looks like and put people in. It's it's management 101, Danny Brands. Mm-hmm. It's looking at your squad and putting them in positions of success. It's saying, okay, maybe we shouldn't play Christian Fuchs at left back because – while he can still at that position play well for 60 minutes, the full 90 is just not there. Mm-hmm. So is that his best position for success? And to me, the answer to that is is no. So 
it's management 101. It is putting people in places to succeed. And Kyle Swiderski can have su- success at the striker position. And you have to build the lineup around that. It's it's so simple. And, and who wants to create? And that's that's why the back four is set. Bronny Bro has always been set at the six. We know who the keeper is. This whole entire season and the remainder of it comes down to the creative midfield position and who wants to step up to be that connection between Brant Bronico and Carol Svidersky and the two wingers out there on right. his flanks been, who are going to create opportunities for this club on the front foot. You asked the question it's earlier. It's really that episode. simple. You And I, I, for, I feel bad I didn't answer. You You asked it about Asavar. Who's going to be that guy? I I hope it's going to be TT, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Uh, it, it, it begins when you saw how badly – Alcivar just got worked by Wanyama, it, and and knowing that TT probably wouldn't do much better. It's not like he's 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 a hoss himself. Knowing that Bender's probably a little too young to to figure out how to deal with a player like that. If he had been out there, I don't I don't know. I mean, can we put Alan? Is it too late to to get Alan Franco back and give him another run? I mean, <laughs> we don't. You see why Charlotte's pursuing a midfielder in the uh, in the the upcoming window because. We need one. We I like the guys we have, but no one's been able to unlock the key. And, and I feel like maybe if we get that maestro, that that he can come in and actually help elevate the potential of a guy like Al Savar and Bender for sure. We're going to get out of here on that note, and I wanted to share with you, Danny Brams, that we've got our uh, tweet from the Sombrero Man. <sighs> Um, who said, don't worry about attendance. Show up, join us on the Charlotte FC Chance, have fun, and be hashtag ready to party. And he has a Braveheart gif that says, pour la corona for the crown. And Danny Rams, that's the type of atmosphere we need. It needs yeah. to be a party. It has to be uh, a, a celebration of, of soccer in this city because Charlotte is a a soccer city. And the reason why we are, are critical. The reason why we uh, go inside this franchise is because we, we both believe it could have tremendous success if it is taken seriously by the stakeholders. And, and, and we'll find out Danny Brams, if that happens sooner rather than later. Yep. I just did a live retweet on the show of Sombrero man. Love that brave heart gift with the poor, the Corona caption. Uh, so thank you, Sombrero man. You, I kind of, Kind of feel like I'm bringing bringing me back. Just that, just that that gif is kind of bringing me back into into the positive fold. I'm easy. I'm critical, but I'm easy. You don't have to show me much, and I'll I'll be right back in the love train for sure. And it's it's apt. It's it's a it has a dual meaning because you know little does he know that a a week from from Thursday, a week from match day, I'm headed to Scotland. Oof. So. I'll be. I will be spreading the gospel of, of Charlotte FC yes. in the UK, and and we'll share your photos from the road with your Charlotte FC kits uh, at our Twitter handle for the Crown Baby. I'll share mine as well. We'll, we'll share some some photos from from Thursday's pregame and postgame festivities in Uptown Charlotte, and of course we'll be back um, post match with with another episode of the the Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. Uh, Thanks so much for hanging out. Danny Brams, anything before we get out of here? For the crown, baby.